for September 20th, 2010. It's the Overthinking at Podcast, episode 116. Discourse. Drink. Welcome to the Overthinking It Podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve for two years running. Woo! Woo! We made Two more years. Two more years. Two more years. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Kill me now. We made it. Yes, this is our 104th consecutive weekly podcast, though it is uh, regular episode 116. And with all the special supplements we've done and things like this, I have no idea uh, what number we're actually on. But uh, we've released a podcast every Sunday night, Monday morning, every Monday morning, I should say, for two years now and we've actually recorded one every week except for that one year where we all wanted to watch the super bowl and so we recorded two in a row <laughs> uh, uh the, the week before which was which was actually miserable which leads yeah. me to think that, like you know and an hour an hour 15 of these guys is uh and and occasionally woman uh is uh is wonderful but uh two hours 30 is way over the line yeah. By the end of that, I had, like, killed a raccoon and was eating it with my bare hands. Like, I just returned to, like, my savage nature. I just couldn't handle it anymore. Arr. How did it taste? How did it taste, Pete? Tasted like victory, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so here we are at the, uh, the end of our, our second year. Um, the, the big podcast, of course, is next week. That's the beginning of our third year. No, I'm, I'm kidding. This is the big podcast. They're both big podcasts, bigger and bigger. They get, they get bigger and browner every week. So, uh, let's, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What? What does that come from? <laughs> never mind, never mind. <laughs> Don't look, everybody. No rubbernecking. No rubbernecking. Let's keep moving. <laughs> because it's poop. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's launch right into the to the question. Uh, this is a kind of a big meta question in honor of our big meta episode. Uh, what is the piece of pop culture that changed your life, or the first, or the most changed your life? Interpret it how you will. Piece of pop culture that changed your life. Mine is really embarrassing, but we're not starting with me because I'm at the end of. The the alphabet we're starting with in his rightful place first answering the question from cambridge massachusetts championship podcaster mr peter <laughs> fenzel ah, hey so okay so you said most i wasn't expecting most <laughs> when we talked before the podcast i thought i could just pick any piece of pop culture that changed my life, but I will pick one, uh, and I will pick this because it it uh, the, your life gets changed in many ways, in ways that you don't even know while you're consuming culture. So, so I will pick as my choice the 1993 film uh, House of the Spirits, which starred Jeremy Irons, Meryl Streep, Glenn Close, Winona Ryder, and Antonio Banderas. Uh, it is, and it also has uh, Vanessa Redgrave in it, and it was uh, based on the Isabel Allende uh, novel. Casa de los Espíritus. It was filmed in Denmark, and it won at the Bavarian Film Awards. And the reason that this movie changed my life is that it was the first time that I saw uh, a, a, a non-familial uh, adult female breast. And I will say that uh, my dad was watching this movie <laughs> while we were playing. I was, thir- I was 13, and I was hanging out with my sister. I was a pretty conservative kid. 
I hadn't watched any R-rated movies at that point. And uh, so my dad is watching this, like, European movie. Now, this, this is about, like, a, it's like a haunted house, you know, it's kind of thing. Like, uh, it's pretty creepy. And, but it's, like, very, like, it's very, like, exotic and, and, like, very artsy, as you can tell. And, like, a very, very fancy production. And it's very serious. Um, and uh, and so I don't think my dad expected there to be, like, a topless sex scene in the middle of the movie. And he changed it, like, really, really quick. Um, like, really fast, as soon as, as soon as he noticed that it was on. But it was enough time for me to see it, right? And I was like, Whoa. Like, and I, I sort of thought, like, I didn't really know what it was going to look like. And I mean, I have to say, not familiar, because I was at one point a baby, right? Like, we were all babies at one point, and, I, you know, I didn't have a midwife or anything like that. But, um, <laughs> but uh, so I can't say absolutely. But in, in my sort of, like, you know, adolescent life, you know, I didn't read or look at pornography. Like, I was very straight and narrow kind of kid. Uh, and, that, and I think that was the first and only one for, like, quite some time. And so, like, from that, like, one glimpse of, like, in profile, like, like, uh, Winona Ryder, like, lying down her stomach or something like that, uh, I extrapolated, like, a great deal of information for the following several years that would go on to be particularly important in matters of serious cerebral contemplation and other sorts of meditation and not frivolous things. So there you go. So now I noticed that Matt has said his might be embarrassing. Uh, Mine is also embarrassing. So there you go. I've thrown open the door, uh, and and anybody can jump on in. Uh, I also am serious to see that movie again. Yeah, what's up? Yours isn't as uh, isn't embarrassing so much as it is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thank you very much. Thank you. I, I do remember before that, like, sort of trying to imagine what it might look like, and like, kind of being somewhat incapable of it. Because thirteen is old enough that things are starting to move around. So uh, you know, you gotta, you got the mind. The mind is going in unbidden directions at that point, and, and you sort of are. I remember prepubescent. I wanted to be a nuclear physicist. Oh man, the, the, your brain goes through crazy transformations uh, when when women come into the picture and, and starts all these strange feelings. All of a sudden, you're a writer, and how did that happen? How do you pay your rent? Things like that. So, um, so rock and roll. Thank you, Peter Fenzel. Uh, moving on now, uh, next in the alphabet, championship podcaster uh, from Brooklyn, New York, everyone's favorite municipal bureaucrat. Mr. Mark Lee Okay I don't know how my embarrassing mind is Probably not that embarrassing It's it's Freebird It's Leonard Skinner's song The epic rock Mm -hmm. song Freebird And uh, this and songs like it Really marked the transition for me From uh, taking music as uh, the thing that I did uh, It was because forced into by my parents And did not enjoy Into uh, something of empowerment Music as empowerment Which uh, I think it has really redefined my life. That's kind of that point in high school beyond when I started to learn to play the guitar and learn to play it for myself and then discovered that there was this thing called the electric guitar with the uh, epic face-melting guitar solo and (laughs) how it just kind of goes on and on and there are so many notes and how those notes just wash over you like like waves after waves of of musical empowerment, I think is is the only way to describe it. So... Uh, I can pretty much uh, cut my life and, 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 and mark my life as pre-guitar uh, god and post-guitar god. Not to, It's probably a little bit much to call myself a guitar god, but uh, to the sense that I have started to aspire to that uh, before and after that period. So, free bird. Free bird! I told you how I wanted to make a marching band arrangement of that at one point that had a... <laughs> 
four minute long trombone solo. Wouldn't their wrists fall off at about minute three? Amongst other body parts, yes. Yeah, you know, Jordan's would, but I would just be trying to copy his slide positions and I only hit about half the notes. That's sort of how it works. You stood next to Jordan and just tried to put your slide where his was. That's that's not entirely fair. I did also sometimes do that to Ben Krinsky, who does listen to the podcast, but I never brought my music and I never knew the songs. Jordan has the trombone, though, with the the, the F key, right? So doesn't that, uh, doesn't that change the slide position? I mean, to an extent, uh, the trigger—the trigger is basically putting it out to what fifth position. So, uh, you, anything in like first through fourth position. Usually, when you get out to sixth position, it's only in the really low register anyway that you're using those positions. So, um, and the trigger, or if you want to use the trigger as like an alternative. But once the harmonics get closer together, like you really don't need to be sawing the Christmas tree, like uh, when you're when you're playing stuff in like the normal register of marching band music. Uh, it's the lower notes that that's a factor on. So. I love it when we subject trombone playing to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. It does deserve it. You know, is, you mean- is, is sawing the Christmas tree a common uh, bit of jargon? No, I just made it up. But if you want to use it for any number of uh, leisurely activities, that would be... <laughs> like, so- just sawing the Christmas tree implies like vigor, but like uncertain technique and a lack of training or skill. Because it's like the only tree, <laughs> the only tree most people cut down if they cut down a tree at all. Like of the tree cutting down population, which is a small subset of the general population, the "I only cut down a Christmas tree once a year" segment is like non-trivially large. Uh, so I think that for those people, that symbol, we all know that feeling where it's like, is it going in the right way? Well, I mean, I have that feeling for other reasons. Hey, oh, zinc. Ah. Somebody move on to the next person. I'm monopolizing the podcast. Next, what are you, Schechner? You're stomping all over everybody. John Parrish. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, no, I was going to do big wrestler introductions. Oh, oh now, it's fine. It's from fine. Ca- from Cambridge, Massachusetts. It's everyone's favorite internet marketer. It is the master of the tagline, Mr. John. Well, wait, no, no. Uh, uh, Kung Fu master, Jeet Kune Do, you know, extraordinaire. No, I actually don't know what martial art you Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. <laughs> which is capoeira, it- right? It's uh, hi. I'm jo- I'm John Parrish. Hi. hi. John, what up? What up? What up? Okay, you you redeemed yourself with that one. Okay, that 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 saved it. That saved it there. All right. So, the most influential piece of pop culture on my life is, and I I was going back and forth on this one because it's not. It's probably not as embarrassing as whatever Rather has in mind, and it, but it's it's something that no longer it's something that no longer has the influence on me that it once did. But just mentioning it, it will. Whenever someone whenever someone mentions that this is something that influenced them, they either instantly gain credibility with a very small subset of their audience, or they instantly lose about half their credibility with the rest of them. And that, of course, is uh, Ayn Rand's novel Atlas Shrugged. Ooh. Uh, so what, did you lift it until your biceps got huge because it's heavy? Yes, and now I'm totally dead. <laughs> no, I, I read it at the at the point at which most people read it, namely at age sixteen in in, uh, in high school, and uh, it it kind of yeah, it, it really it had the effect on me that it has on a lot of sixteen year old boys who are a little bit smarter than average, which is you know kind of kind of lit my head on fire and filled me with you know notions of grandeur, and it also from a more positive sense. Uh, introduced me to a slightly more 
I guess interrogative notion of philosophy. It, it made me it made me a little more made me a little more critical of the the discourses that I was uh, discourse drink uh, made me a little more critical <laughs> of the of the discourses that I was part of at the time, which in in high school is a small set, but it's still there, uh, and you know in influenced my my politics and my philosophy for. Uh, a good couple of years, which have, which have since which have since changed again. But you know, it, it it was it was largely responsible for a what I thought in high school and for a good bit of college. B uh, all of the almost all the friends I had uh, in college because uh, it was through my interest in Ayn Rand that I I met up with the Boston Objectivist Network, which was a monthly salon of people who got together and talked about her philosophy and. Most of the, or a lot of people I met through there are still very good friends of mine, and uh, yeah, that's although, although all of us have since leaving more or less uh, or drifted away from Rand's philosophy to a greater or lesser degree. So it's been sort of interesting to me to see uh, her books undergo this popular resurgence due to Glenn Beck having mentioned her and but maybe not read her in too great detail once or twice because while she does have a lot to say about uh, you know government bailouts of of large industry and and how it's a sign of increasing uh, control she also has a lot to say about atheism and I don't know how well that plays to the the Fox News Tea Party demographic mm. okay yeah. All right. As hey, uh, hey! Okay. I, if you have anybody else ever watched the Eric Stoltz movie, The Passion of Ayn Rand, <laughs> <laughs> that movie I've, is I've, pretty awesome. <laughs> I've seen a, I've seen a bit of it. I, I honestly, the thing is, I didn't feel the need to because by the time it came out, I was already pretty well versed with the the whole Nathaniel Brandon Ayn Rand Barbara Brandon love triangle. So I right. thought, eh, what what is seeing it on screen going to do for me? Yeah, no, I thought so. It was really great that scene where Eric Stoltz had sex with Ayn Rand. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> Sorry, I just I don't know. Whenever Eric Stoltz has sex with something, I lose respect for it. Nothing against Eric Stoltz. I haven't lost respect for Eric Stoltz, but like, I don't know. Has he had sex with robots on Caprica? I haven't watched that show, but if so, I lose respect for robots because they put him in those awful, trashy things. He probably uh, has. And to be fair, it's that scene where Eric Stoltz has sex with Helen Mirren, who <laughs> n- nothing nothing against the late Ayn Rand, but is vastly more attractive than Ayn Rand was. Like, That's very. You, you can give Helen Mirren the worst haircut in the world, which they did for this movie, and she's still worlds more attractive than, than Ayn Rand ever was. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate, but she's, she's, yeah. All right, moving on. Coming up next, championship podcaster, the Sultan of Stutter, the Maven of Milton, <laughs> the host <laughs> on the coast, it's Matt Rutherford! <laughs> I, I wanted to jump in there and be like, number 23 from North Carolina, Matthew Rather. <laughs> uh, yes, that's There are lasers name. going off in my room right now. Lasers. They're painting Matt Rather's name on the wall with lasers. <laughs> yes, that's right. From the bleeding edge of America, from the left coast, I'm your host, Matthew Rather. I was afraid of buying records before I bought my first one. It seemed like like this this not to be uh, not to say I was an overly sheltered child, but I was a normally sheltered child, uh, and it seemed like this rock and roll music was a gateway into all kinds of of uh, sex, drugs, and licentiousness that um, 
you know, that, that just seemed a little too adult for me at the time when I was 11 or 12 or something like that. Um, but when, uh, when, for one Christmas, I got a, a full-on boombox with the new technology of a compact disc player uh, built into it with, you know, 35 big old watts of, uh, you know, of sound power running off 4D batteries... I couldn't put it off anymore, and I went out and I bought a record. And the record that I bought was Songs of Faith and Devotion by a little band called Depeche Mode. <laughs> and I, uh, which is like it's like Depeche with ice cream on it, which is great. <laughs> Depeche a la mode, <laughs> which, is, which is one of their uh, it's it's one of their lesser known albums, and I think I think that's right. Uh, but it indoctrinated me uh, into the world of liking liking music and and having music be something that I could uh, that I could participate in and enjoy both as a um, you know both as a uh, uh, a listener and as a kind of a, pr- a practitioner and, and also as like a concert goer and things like this. I, I nearly said. Um, that that my uh, most influential record would be uh, Tori Amos' second record, Under the Pink, uh, because she is also the first concert that I went to, because uh, when I was 13, I was still a girl. But... <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I'm going with the first record, Depeche Mode's Song of Faith and Devotion, which begins with a screech of noise like uh, car brakes or a record sc- uh, scratching to a halt, if anyone still had those anymore, um, that was so loud and terrible that I actually stopped my CD player, convinced that I had broken it by putting the <laughs> CD in wrong or something. <laughs> Noise that uh, that came on the first thing before the uh, electric guitar hook uh, comes in. Now I would like to recite for you a little bit of the lyrics from songs from the first track of Songs of Faith and Devotion, which is called "I Feel You." <laughs> I feel you. Your sun it shines. I feel you (laughs) within my mind. Something, 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 something. Oh, God, now I forget it. Uh, (laughs) Something, 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 something. Thy kingdom come. (laughs) You take me to and lead me through Babylon. This is the morning of our love. It's just the dawning of our love. And somehow with the British accents, it just, it just works for a very, you know, you know what I mean? For a very serious and angsty 13-year-old, uh, this, this was what it does. So there it is. Who at the time, who at the time was more forgiving of off-rhyme than he is now, I would be sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't, wouldn't put up with that anymore. Can I, can, I jump, can I jump in now and overthink all of our different uh, responses to this question? Yes, please. Yeah, sure. Because we have, I think... Matt and I are, uh, I think, on the same page in terms of, you know, identifying a piece of music that changed our lives because, uh, Matt, uh, not to speak too much for yourself, but I think that it's not to speak too much on your behalf, but I believe that both of us sort of identify um, with, as being musicians, like or being a musician is a major part of our, of our identities. I, I, I um, identify as a musician. I am as God made me. Yes. Uh, John, you know, and, and Rand sort of, you know, philosophy, ideas, 
uh, bring you know enlightening enlightenment that way. Pete's answer, sex. You know, it's a very a movie, a movie that provides information about sex. Not to say that Pete is like you know hypersexual. It's a very serious film about families and and about memory. <laughs> but it's, it's but, you know like it, it is it is life changing and that it opens. Uh, it literally opens the eyes up to the you know, world of, of uh, sexuality. You mean uh, it figuratively opens that? I guess it opens. No, it, it up actually literally opens to them yeah. because you saw a boob. <laughs> right. Yeah. So fair enough. Fair enough. But my point being that you know those are the answers that we that we provided. It's interesting that um, none of us mentioned either a TV show or video games, sort of the other major mm-hmm. wheelhouses of pop culture that we discuss here. And I'm just kind of curious, like why, why is it that those two things uh, didn't quite rise up, at least for this well, audience here. The reason I'll, – I'll go first. The reason I picked Atlas Shrugged was the other thing I was considering listing was Dungeons & Dragons, which is obviously a piece of pop culture. It's it's well-recognized, and you know it's it's sort of built in me a, a habit, not just as a gamer, but the, the habit I have of thinking about game design pretty much more or less constantly. But the reason I didn't pick that one was – because I, I felt I felt that discovering it was more or less inevitable, given that I was really into science fiction as a teenager and, and had friends with similar interests. I feel that finding D&D at age 10 was really just a historical accident. If I hadn't found it then, I would have just as easily found it when I was 16 or in college or just out of college or, or some other point. Whereas, whereas Atlas Shrugged, I felt there was a particular confluence of of factors that, that I won't go into here, but that led to me finding it and taking to it at the time that I did. And, and I think, and if I can overthink and, and guess a little, I would imagine that things like TV shows and movies might be similar because TV shows and movies are very, at least for our world, very global phenomena. Like everyone takes part in a TV show. Like everyone watched The Simpsons. Everyone saw Jurassic Park. Everyone saw Titanic, except me. I still haven't seen Titanic. And... You know, James so Cameron's going to hunt you down, by the way. But sorry, continue. He's going to do that for other reasons. So our experience of that is much more social. It, you're you're sort of joining in the popular popular conversation when you see it, and then you talk to your friends about it, and you you come to a consensus on it by talking it out. Whereas our experiences here are all very personal. Like a book is something very personal. An album that you're listening to in your bedroom at 13 is very personal. You know, seeing a boob on TV is very personal. Look, it was so, an intimate moment. It's a <laughs> fine Danish film. <laughs> it, it's it's a very good film. No one doubts that. So, it, it, so seeing a boob on TV is a beautiful, natural process. <laughs> if if God didn't want boobs on TV, he wouldn't have invented the television. So, he uh, even named it after them. <laughs> that's a way homer (laughs) so anyhow so when when you phrase the question you know what what piece of pop culture has the most impact on your life i imagine it would naturally bias our answers a little toward pop culture that's experienced very personally Uh, i can offer an alternative not necessarily something that says that that's not not true but a different uh idea also which is which is that um Television, for me, television shows and video games, it's hard for me to think of a video game that changed my life because uh, so much of my life 
was spent playing video games, that the video games had become pretty much the status quo by the time I was even really aware that I was playing them. Uh, so, so I started playing Nintendo in 1987. Uh, that was when I got my Nintendo Entertainment System. I was seven years old. And, I mean, I played video games as, like, a major activity, like, a major hobby, uh, you know, just, like, a thing I did on the side unt- until I left for college, pretty much. And, like, and, and pretty consistently, like, by myself or with people. And then since then, it's become much more with friends and much less of something I did by myself. But, uh, but, but, but like, I, I mean, I did at one point get Battletoads, but, like, it had a huge impact on me, but I wouldn't have noticed it because it's hard for me to conceive of what that time would have been like if I didn't have Battletoads. And it's similar to uh, television shows, particularly ones that run for a long period of time. You become habituated into watching them and and they become part of your life. It's hard to see them as big sort of cataclysmic events of change, even though the effect might be profound. Music, of course, that's a little bit trickier. You and Rather both had these musical experiences that were kind of like, it's not Freebird every time you listen to it. It's like that first time that you heard Freebird and opened your eyes. I guess maybe if you're really musically minded. But for me, I would feel the same way about a lot of the music that I heard. I heard it so often that it's hard to pinpoint the moment in which it like really had an effect. Like movies are tent poles. You know, like a book is something that you read and then you know, it's an event and it's part of your life really intensely for a short period of time and then it's over. Uh, and for that, I think when we're contextualizing and narrativizing our lives in the, in the, in retrospect, uh, it becomes easier to sort of ascribe changing effects to these things that exist in sort of a finite space as opposed to like an extended space. Yes. What you said. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. Also, uh, also, I mean, I could say Star Trek, the next generation, like, right. But like, how did that change me? It's hard to conceive of how it changed me. Like even there are so many little episodes of that show that would have had an effect on me in one way or another, but the whole show, its impact on me was probably larger than I could ever really know. Uh, I mean, I still think about it often, which is weird because it never, none of those events actually happened. Like Captain Captain Picard's not real, so why is he such a big why is he such a big part of my life? Right, that sort of thing. And I'm not a trekker or anything. Like like even for me, who is not a trekker, like he's a, like that's a big part of my like phantasmagoria. Like the the vocabulary of symbolism in my mind is like stuff from that show because it's such a a big show. Um, Did you say the I, phrase phantasmagoria of the mind? Which is uh, redundant. It's awesome. <laughs> no, it's redundant. You can't have phantasmagoria of your foot. Like, it all is in your mind. <laughs> does not live anywhere else but the mind. Hey, Pete. Yeah, this is... Yeah. I just want you to know one thing. What? There are four lights. One more, one more. Come on. Lightweight, lightweight. Yeah, awesome. Good set, good set. Excellent. Well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, all right, yeah, so- like for example, like yesterday I went to a, a party, and I'll make this quick, and then we can move on. But I went to a party. I was invited to this party. It was an informal gathering. People played apples to apples. It was fun, uh, and I was invited by a friend of mine who I also direct, or whom I also direct in an improv group. And so, and I knew that a bunch of the people from the improv group that I direct are going to be there. And so in my response to the email saying I was going to be there, I was like, you know, as long as it's okay that the coach shows up. And then I linked to the YouTube video of the last scene of All Good Things in the last episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation when Captain Picard shows up and they're like, whoa, hello, what's wrong? He's like, oh, I I just was wondering if I could join you. I should have done this a long time ago. You know, and it's all very sweet. It's like, you're always... Aww. Uh, Anyway. Yeah, no, he was was busy uh, having breakfast with Dr. Crusher. And playing his flute, if you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
All right. Well, which, I, I think there really is something to this idea of uh, something that you experience in private that becomes part of your... Uh, that that kind of latches onto your solitude and becomes part of your kind of private world uh, versus something like a movie that is that is inherently social. Though, you know, video is getting less and less social as we watch more and more of it alone, you know, with headphones in, in front of our iPads or our, uh, you know, computers or whatever, um, or, or even on a flat screen as opposed to a, to a movie theater. Um, video is becoming uh, more and more of a thing. So I can imagine that, that someone of this generation would be like, oh, God, the first time I saw The Godfather. Uh, you know what I mean? Imagine, actually, uh, let's do a little thought experiment. Imagine a, a 16-year-old kid now, you know, um, who sees, that the God, who sees as I saw it the other week, that The Godfather is now on Netflix streaming and watches it, you know. Oh, I've heard of this and watches it. And then, you know, t- t- 10 years from now on on his podcast says something along the lines of though they probably won't have podcasts. They'll have like, you know, audio shows that you beam directly to your mind. Uh, but he'll, <laughs> you know, that's he'll that's say, kind of that's kind of how it works now. There's not a lot of interface between the sound and my mind except, you know, the the ear the was it the element no that alimentary canal of the throat, the uh, the ear canal. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you guys are not paying attention to peak oil because that is uh, the apocalypse is nigh. Twenty twelve peak oil. Uh, in a in hundred years, the podcasts will be done by slingshots. That's what. <laughs> that's what Albert Einstein or, said. Or so, solar power, <laughs> or the you know what yeah. I mean. The elite class of people yeah. will be living on Mars. Will be living on a terraformed yeah. Mars. He's like, uh, I don't know what technology the overthinking it podcast will be broadcast by, but the overthinking it t- year twenty two hundred podcast will be broadcast by sticks and rocks. Right? Is that? <laughs> Um, so right, so imagine this this notional seventeen year old now who said, "Oh God, I thought all movies were like The Hangover or like uh, you know I don't know Mission Impossible this summer or the Harry Potter movies." And then I saw The Godfather and realized that that film can be a medium for serious artists to do serious things in a way that is not uh, pretentious and douchebaggy, uh, but that is also entertaining and. And watching The Godfather changed, you know, changed my life. Where where it was kind of a private experience of seeing it on, you know, one's own flat screen, uh, the, some variety of flat screen that um, that led them to this, right? Whereas mm. for us, it's it's I don't know CDs or something like that. Right. There was a there was a time when saying the word CDs and following it with a silence was a dangerous thing to do in this group of people. <laughs> that time has passed, <laughs> or has it, or has it? CDs nuts. <laughs> anyway, uh, the old old jokes that never made any sense, even the first time around. Sure. So never All right. mind. I, I want to. I have a breaking news update. Um, you take me there. <laughs> you take me where the kingdom comes. You take me to and lead me through Babylon. That's those are the lyrics that I forgot from Depeche. Oh. I feel you. Uh, you know, you. thanks. Please keep reporting as that situation develops, Matt. <laughs> we stay on top of that one. Uh, I'll be. Uh, I'll be right here. Um, all right. Uh, so, you know, 10 years ago, uh, everyone who writes for overthinking.com except John Parrish was involved in an extracurricular activity uh, together at our alma mater. And uh, right. I won't say what extracurricular activity it was, but it involved. <laughs> <laughs> We've already said it on this podcast. <laughs> it involved trombones yeah. and uh, musicianship. 
Oh. It involved trombones and musicians. Keep that secret. Keep that in there. <laughs> Nobody can Facebook you in this world. No, sir. Anyway. So, uh, so what, what, what are you getting at? What's, what's, this, so, uh, what's the... Um, and I, I wrote, actually, I wrote this for, I think, the two-year anniversary or, or, the, or the thousandth post or something like that. Um, well, on Sunday nights, we, w- we would gather to write uh, comedy sketches uh, for this extracurricular activity. And... Um, and I, you know, in late 2007, I had the thought, you know what's awesome? Us. What's awesome, man? Oh, us? Oh, good. Us. And I thought, <laughs> you know, if only we could put this essence of us, this ode we, on the internet, <laughs> uh, surely everyone would be, um, surely the world would be set on fire. <laughs> and uh, <surely> <laughs> why would you want to set the world on fire, Matt? That's horrible. Because I was wait, 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 I, I was young and full of piss and vinegar, and not the old jaded, you know, <laughs> blogger and podcaster that I, that I am now. And yeah, so that you are two I, and a half years later. Uh, right? Yeah, that I am now. Yeah, and so um, I uh, I asked the smartest, funniest people I know, and eventually asked John Parrish, who now is among the smartest, funniest people I know, and is the only. Uh, uh, is the only person we've ever found in the universe who can hang with us. Apparently. And thank you. Uh, so, so wait, I, I, I do. Uh, so I have a question. So the only reason we, po- we record the podcast on Sunday nights is because that's traditionally when you guys meet. Awesome. It's not the only reason. No, yeah, no, there, but, there are other reasons, but it is no accident that it yes. is, it is Sunday night because what we would do, uh, you know, when we had a show coming, uh, coming up the following Saturday, we would meet Sunday night, watch the Simpsons and uh, then get to work uh, spitballing and pitching each other ideas for sketches for the next week's show, uh, which Belinky would ignore, go off into his room, and write uh, the whole show himself anyway. Kind of like the, uh, <laughs> kind of like the Matthew Perry character in Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Uh, yeah. Just totally ignore the writer's room and go and, and, um, and do it himself. And uh, though it led to some bizarre things, we performed Oedipus Rex once. Yeah, but, uh, you know... So well, I mean, I, also, first, first of all, I would like to just name-check Natalie a little bit, because she is sort of part of the crew, so we don't want to say that Parrish isn't the only person. Oh, it's true. You know what? I was only yeah. thinking of the, the writers. It's, yeah, it's yeah, true. yeah. Na- I mean, and mm-hmm. the the, um, Nat- the guests that we've had, Natalie, Amanda Marcotte, uh, Randall, the, all, all these guests are, are awesome and, and fantastic. I was just thinking of the regular writing staff. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Carry on. Please continue praising us in a way you've praised us several times before, and people anyway, have already. So we we started this, <laughs> we started this website, and it's been been gradually gaining steam. Um, I always wanted to do a podcast because I, you know, I listened to podcasts, and it's still it's my. Uh, I don't listen to the radio. I listen to podcasts. And the car, I hook my I hook my MP3 player up to the, you know, little cassette adapter because I have a '96 Oldsmobile that still has a cassette player in it. Uh, I don't mean still has a cassette player as though at some point my 96 Oldsmobile ought to lose its cassette player. <laughs> and I have the ones. Yeah, yes, yes. We, we understood what the, what the clause was modifying. Have we you seen it. the street value on those things? Somebody's going to snatch that. You got to keep your windows locked, man. Somebody's going to roll. Somebody's going to reach in if there's a crack and like turn the crank to roll down the window so that they can reach in your cassette player. Yeah, definitely. You got to be careful. Especially in especially in L.A. because you know that's where all that crime happens. Yeah, that's true. I've seen falling down. I know how it works. <laughs> Just a big circle of hatred. Yep. I actually i I loved my uh, my Oldsmobile. I call her the Sexmobile because she's awesome. 
But uh, in, in, when I lived in Connecticut, every third car was exactly my car. Uh, but out here, it's all everyone has Priuses now. Uh, and these oh. these totally contradictory uh, SUV hybrids since I've moved to to uh, Los Angeles. But anyway, so uh, we started this uh, we started this podcast with episode one, which you can find at uh, overthinkingit.com slash OTIP. I think is the the overthinking a podcast URL. Um, or just click the uh, the podcast link at the top of any page on Overthinking It. And I really don't recommend that you listen to episode one, which is a, a painstakingly uh, involved discussion by Matt Belinke and I of the 2008 Oscar nominees for uh, best documentary, best um, live action short. short subject, right? Or sh- yeah. yeah, live action short. Yeah, okay. It's, uh, it's yeah. com slash category slash podcast and slash OTIP works as well. Uh, slash TFT for the These Effing Teenagers podcast. Anyway, uh, enough pimping. And so we finally, we finally got this thing going. Um, and uh, I, w- I was convinced that if we just managed to capture that, if we just managed to capture that magic, the sense of, of oh, the sense of what? Of, of, um, the witty of, repartee. Of witty repartee, uh, the sort of mutual enjoyment. <laughs> Not to sound dirty, but and and also sort of kind of uh, intellectual one one upsmanship that characterized our uh, our interactions ten years ago uh, in college. That- Which I might add also that intellectual one upsmanship was extremely intimidating when i first uh joined you guys and i was like whoa i don't know if i can hang with these guys uh, uh, wait, wait in 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 the ypmp or in uh on otip Mostly, mostly the former, a little bit of the latter. <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, that's that's how we roll, you know. This is a tough crowd. This is a tough crowd, and uh, it, it, if, it can be a little daunting. Yeah, if we catch that, you know, if we can capture that, then um, you know, then we'll have something, and it will never have mass appeal. Uh, I and I, you know, I still don't think we have mass appeal, though we've gotten a lot more entertaining. But um, you know what, the the small group of people. The small group of, of snobs and elitists who listen to us will love us. And, uh, you know, I think that's what's happened as, we, as we've grown this, this podcast audience. So, okay, enough of my uh, uh, participating in the circle jerk. Who else wants to participate in the circle jerk? Well, here, I'll, I'll say something quick about just OTI, um, because one thing you, I don't think you mentioned is our abortive attempts to start other websites prior to overthinking it, um, such as, what was it, uh, can we name them or should we not name sure, them? Sure, name because them, we don't why want not? People. Uh, well, there was the, Singing Bus. The this, Singing Bus, right? yes. Yep, and then there was, of course, YPMB.com, which was our alumni website that was a series of blogs by alumni of the Marching Men, on which I had a long-running column in that it only had two or three entries, but they were all very long, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, which was called Why Not Ask Fenzel, which was like, hey, you have a question. You've probably consulted other oh, authorities, Pete. but oh, Pete, yeah. we have to revive that. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like you've asked other people, but you know what? Like more information never hurt anybody, especially this day and age. Like, why not ask Fenzel? Oh, and I remember yeah. I wrote like if a you, really if you would, long Yeah. What? If you would like advice, any listener or reader of <laughs> Overthinking It, you can email Fenzel at overthinkingit.com your questions <laughs> and he will answer them on overthinkingit.com in a uh, in a revived recurring feature called Why Not Ask Fenzel. <laughs> <laughs> you keep doing I, things for me without asking me about it first. I bought <laughs> it. We're all ghost right now. I appreciate everybody who donated to the flood relief fund a lot. 
Um, but yeah, but I, I remember mostly I made arguments uh, refuting fallacious uh, etymological citations. Right? It was like somebody's like, "This word means this," and I was like, "No, it doesn't." Here's five pages. Why not? Um, and, and I talked for a really long time about obscenity, right? Because there was a, a scandal in the marching band involving uh, too much cursing at hockey games. Oh, and at women's volleyball game. You can't right? say what? what the extracurricular activity was. Oh, I'm sorry. There was a scandal at the intramural. Uh, field hockey team that we were all part of <laughs> that um, were involved so, in So there, there was cursing at hockey games and women's volleyball games? Uh, I will leave it up to you to decide what the factor that was constant between these two events happened to be. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yes, okay. Now, now I'm with I, Somehow I picked it up. Yeah. yeah and it, it was basically like the alumni were kind of consulted because it was... Uh, because cause it was a concern. I mean, it kept getting worse, but we, it had gotten worse gradually enough that people didn't really know. And worse is a strong word, because some of that getting worse was technically getting better. But, uh, <laughs> but getting, better, getting better at it. But, uh, like, getting more prolific and more enthusiastic um, and growing the membership. But at any rate, uh, that was one of the subjects of one of the articles. But I was also just looking back, and I want to cite one other factor. And, and, I mean, I don't know. I'm a big fan of this idea of, like, the power of randomness and not just the power of, like, low-probability events, but the the power of, like, the truly unpredictable and, like, the truly unpredictable things that have profound effects. So I think one thing we could all have cited as a piece of pop culture that's had a big impact on all of us is the movie There Will Be Blood. Uh, Because the movie There Will Be Blood, (laughs) more than any other individual piece of pop culture, is responsible for the existence of overthinking it. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that because this was a movie that we all – No, that's absolutely right. It was a a year before The Dark Knight. It was our Dark Knight. (laughs) i mean i kept that movie stub in my wallet until my wallet was stolen about a month and a half ago uh i mean because that movie like had had a really profound effect on my life not just not because of the movie itself but because talking about it and writing about it is is sort of where overthinking it came from at least for me now granted my first articles are all about the upcoming uh rambo movie which has since faded into not quite obscurity, um, and it's like Bansky ad campaign. But uh, There Will Be Blood was definitely a lot of the generative force behind all of it. And of course, like There Will Be Blood was also an early date for me and like a year-long relationship. So it was like, a, it very much felt like the start of something, right? And, uh, and so I would like to thank Martin Scorsese for making Gangs of New York really disappointing so that Daniel Day-Lewis felt compelled to not go back to being a cobbler in Italy, but in fact, make There Will Be Blood. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And, and to get his Oscar for it, because I think that was really Daniel Plainview. This is my son, H. <laughs> w. Plainview. We're a family <laughs> business. Yeah, it's you know what? Actually, Pete, I'd I'd never thought of that, but it just so happened that as we were starting overthinking it, uh, there was material kind of out there in the culture that really withstood some serious overthinking. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, I think, I think that was really the, the stuff that, that was starting the conversation for us. And it wasn't as much about the – we weren't as much into, like, the, um, the sci-fi superhero type stuff and all that stuff as we might have been because the stuff we were thinking about was, was fairly serious. It took us a while to find our sort of sense of self-criticism, uh, which I think is important to the blog. I also will say that my offer to any member of the Wu-Tang Clan to come on the podcast and get Mint Milano's is still open, like, pretty much a year <laughs> running at least. I don't know when that was, but – More than a year, I think. Drink. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Drink. But yeah, I don't know, doing this podcast is fun, and I'm sorry for all the times I've done it from my cell phone because I've been informed recently that the quality was really, really bad and that nobody had really had the heart to tell me just how terrible um, it was. Excuse me, excuse me Mr. Fenzel, 
the, yes. um, the entertaining thing that you take a great deal of effort to do in spite of adversity and that you give away to the world for free is uh, suboptimally uh, audiophilic for my taste. So <laughs> well, could you please <laughs> get on uh, your what? Skype? This is one way. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. As much as I like making fun of nerds, and I, I do like making fun of nerds, even even being a nerd, I, I think I, I don't want to dissuade our audience from pointing out areas that, that would improve the, the entertainment factor of our podcast. Because we, we do it for you guys. We want, this to be, we want this to be at least 90% as fun to listen to as it is to produce. I, I don't know that we're ever going to get that full hundred or more than a hundred percent, you know, to the point where it's more entertaining to listen to, where you're having more fun than we are. But <laughs> where it's sheer drudgery for us. And, and... <laughs> well, no, I, I just meant I just meant the point at which we become less self self indulgent. I don't think we're ever going to reach that point. <laughs> speaking of speaking of self indulgent, so one of the things that I struggled with when I first joined the podcast was uh, sort of the format of the show and like how insanely freewheeling it was. And when at the time I really wanted to just like pick two topics and just like march through them, uh, like, like Sherman on the way, on his way to the sea, uh, like, like processing through agenda, agenda just like burning them, in, just in my burning municipal government around. office. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's a mixed metaphors that there's Sherman's March and then, uh, uh, uh bullet points on a, on office agenda, but in a way, in a way, office was <laughs> like the civil war. You but know I, what I say about that, Mark? What do you say about that? Pete? That, that the word, the phrase in a way means what I have just said, or I'm about to say is false. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, I was really aware of that when I said that. Yeah, so I, actually, I want to actually, I'll talk about what Mark some... said, which is in a way, office work is like the Civil War. Totally qualifies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what I wanted to get out of here was sort of like how it is that we, uh, you know, we've chosen on the the format of the show and what the what we're going for with this extremely freewheeling and often divergent uh, the topic you know the spin-off thing that we do what is it that what is this that that represents let's overthink our podcast for a moment well I mean, uh, i'll i'll jump in as well and say that for a while i i was similarly sort of confused slash frustrated slash uncertain about the about the freewheeling nature of the podcast i i thought oh you know i thought like you did like oh you know if we could stick to just a couple topics we could get some really insightful things in which i've, I've since realized is probably bunk but well to be fair i think like if you listen to like the dark night pod dark night podcast or the avatar podcast anything where we just take one movie and just latch onto and just you know the tease it way the hell out those are really good podcasts but they're just different the, the, yeah. they, also aren't, they also aren't particularly planned. It's just those are topics. They work when it's something that we really care about. But anyway, I'm, inter- I'm interrupting. Parrish, go ahead. Yeah, so it, what, actually, what actually turned it around for me was watching some old episodes. And you can find snippets of it on YouTube of the, of the BBC series QI, which was this, for those who don't know, it was this sort of, it had the format of a quiz show, but it was hosted by Stephen Fry. And he had a, a regular panel of other British comedians on there as once. Like Alan Davies was was his most frequent guest and a rotating panel of others. And Fry would, would read trivia questions and the, the comics who were, you know, usually pretty well educated but not as well read and, and not 
not geniuses the way Stephen Fry is, would answer, and they would usually be wrong, and then they would have some lighthearted back-and-forth banter, you know, about their, their answer they had just made up and, you know, make, make some gags and such like that. And, and Fry would, you know, play along with it, but he would also keep them, keep them on track. And it wasn't really a quiz show because there wasn't really anything at stake. The point of the show was to enjoy the banter between the guests on this, you know, on these these serious topics like uh, like the evolutionary niche that butterflies occupy, or which has more caffeine, a cup of a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, or things like that. So I, I I've I've since come around to the freewheeling format, and if our audience supports it, I'm I'm all for it. Well, there's also there's also the sense um, that, you know, the way our the way overthinking it works. And by that, I mean the way overthinking it, the website and also this uh, this activity that we call overthinking it, which is, you know, it's it's funny to me that we've come to define ourselves by that because the name was uh, was just tossed off by Stokes, actually, who who suggested it when we were casting about for names for the uh for the website that we intended to start um we wanted a url actually that was really what it was yeah, a, t- wanted, a url that was taken yeah exactly yeah. exactly exactly mm-hmm. and he he just said hey what about overthinking it and you know it seemed it seemed to do that but now it's become this now it's become this sort of fundamentalist dogma where we like we routine, <laughs> where we routinely send back uh, like guest articles were not <laughs> thought enough, or we, you know, we chastise one another on our not chastise is maybe a strong word. We um, we point out to one another on our uh, you know writers' email list that um, uh, that you know such and such a thing is more a, a statement than overthinking it, or more an assertion than mm. overthinking it. It's it's come to define us anyway. The thing about um, overthinking, the, however you define it, is that it makes uh, connections that were not obvious at first, you know, that it, yes. and that the, the podcast sort of in its spinning out into all kinds of tangents models, the mental process of making associations between seemingly unrelated topics that is key to, uh, overthinking it in general and to overthinking it.com the site, because that's how we like, if, if Pete says, look, I'm going to, I'm going to demonstrate the rules of aesthetics using greek tragedy well you know snooze i took that class in college and i you know what i mean and i uh i slept through most of it um but if pete says i'm going to demonstrate for you the rules of aesthetics using dragon ball z well then i'm uh i'm absolutely hooked and i'm i'm along for the ride for that so that's you know this is why we this is why we digress yeah. Here, I'll, I'll throw in a couple things on this particular topic, which I believe was, uh, was why is the podcast free form? Um, so so one, of the, one of the reasons it's free form is, and this I think shows the, the topics, when the podcast isn't free form and is good, uh, when it's usually about one dedicated topic, it's a topic about which we all have a lot to say. And, and the main reason that the podcast is free form is to avoid dead air, because there have been times where we've planned out an agenda and we've and this is i'm saying this not just as like oh i'm pulling back the curtain but also like if you've wanted to start a podcast or you're trying to figure out why your podcast isn't working here's an idea about why it might not be working we would have a detailed agenda of topics that we felt would fill an hour and we would have that the core podcast group now is a little bit smaller than the sort of extended podcast group that we've sometimes right. had on on the show like we in our earlier days uh it wasn't always the way that way but we'd often have like six or seven people on the podcast um and it is really hard to to sort of traffic cop 
seven people who all have something to say that's like in the outline, right? It's like, okay, we have topic A, and then every single person in the seven people needs to say something. And then we're going to go to topic like A sub subsection one, and every single person in the seven people is going to say something. And sometimes people aren't going to have anything to say, and the things that people have prepared to say aren't going to relate to one another very well. So the flow of the show is compromised. People don't want to speak up. A lot of time is kind of more time is spent stomping on each other. And what we sort of realized was that we get along well enough and banter well enough that the sort of social mechanism of passing focus in conversation is a better way for us to route the show than by having someone call the show. Like we would need to have somebody who is a, or sort of like Daphne on Frasier, right? Who's like in the back with the headphones and doesn't participate really. And just like says, okay, you're on the air, you're on the air, like you go. And we would have like a little panel that has like a light going on when we're talking. And, and we would have cue cards that would be coming up telling us how to do things. Like that's how they do it when they, tr- when you try to do this professionally, right? Like you have to have somebody routing the traffic. We're a pretty low budget operation. Like we don't do that um, because we can't do that. We, we do what we can do, which is we play to our strengths. And our, one of our strengths is that we do pass focused amongst each other using the sort of social skills and sort of animal skills that you get from being a social animal and from being a pack animal. Well, I'll say, I mean, I'll say this, that like, we're also not in the same place. You know, we're talking into a Skype call together. And so everyone's wearing headphones and talking into a microphone. And uh, oh, yeah, you know, which heightens the problem of not having somebody direct or like facilitate the call because it's like, we're not, not even in the same room. Not only that, yeah. but I'll, I'll bet we could do a seven-person podcast if we were all sitting around a table together because there are, um, there are nonverbal cues in a conversation that you pick up uh, that, that have to do with the passing of focus uh, you know, among the, the participants. But, um, but all that is you just evacuate that whole side of human interaction when you are alone talking into a microphone. And so, the, I mean, you can't see that I am gesticulating wildly right now. With my junk. <laughs> with junk. I always podcast with my junk. Um, That's you know, right. right. I have it right here. I'm going to recycle it after the podcast. On the- Hello, <laughs> seven, Diet 7 Up Can. You're going to go make some airplane wings. It's going to be great. It's a, as, as the sort of the well-known New Yorker cartoon says, on the internet, no one knows you're a dog. <laughs> that New Yorker, so hilarious. All the time with dogs. That's great. So, um... <laughs> Uh, oh, oh, what was I going to say? Yeah, so it, it actually, like, if you listen back to, uh, you know, to around Podcast 13 when we started doing them weekly, uh, they're not as good as they are now, uh, you know, honestly. The, not, that, not that we're any great shakes now, but, you know, we're, we're better than we were uh, because we've learned skills um, that, have to, uh, that have to do with kind of sitting back while, while someone else has the conch. Right. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the uh, and, and, you know, I don't know. I think you can tell sometimes when when people who aren't really regulars doing this come come on the show, though, I'm always very glad to have them on because uh, I get sick of the sound of my own voice. And I'm sure our our um, our listeners do, too. Uh, I, I don't. Just for the record, I don't. I, I, my I, voice I hate fine. I hate all of you and the sound of your voice. <laughs> I just never listen to podcasts. Nails. I should do that. Yeah, for, yeah, for yeah. me, this, for me, the sickness waxes and wanes. It, it's tough to tell. <laughs> no, actually, that's not true. And, and it's funny you mentioned that, Pete, because like I think I'm one of the, the few people who's actually on the podcast who listens back to the show every week to see how it plays out from the perspective of just donning the headphones and going on the subway and and listening to it. And I'd say it holds up pretty well. Like I, we recorded on Sunday, 
probably I'll wait till Tuesday or Wednesday to put it on after I've listened to Eric Glass, This American Life, or various other national public radio podcasts. And I find myself chuckling to myself in the subway and trying to not to uh, look a complete idiot walking around, which I think other, uh, other the, our listeners have often mentioned in the podcast. That's when we know we've done a good job. That's oh, how I can uh, tell that the, the electric guitar has really shaped your life, Mark, because you spend your Monday mornings re- listening to This American Life on the subway as you commute. <laughs> exactly. I'm a, I'm a little rock, oh, little country. I'm a rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I shouldn't be mean. I, I sometimes am mean, and I apologize for that. It's all for the show. I like to be a heel sometimes. I mean, you guys can be the faces. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point as well, too, is that, you know, over the evolution of the show, we've all sort of developed characters yeah. that we have for this podcast. And, you know, we talked about... My, yeah. One of my ca- things my character does is give your character a hard time. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of the things that I, my character I, I, does I obje- is complain I, about Asian American pe- prejudice. I object, <laughs> I object uh, fundamentally to that premise, Mark. As John Milton said in his uh, seminal <laughs> treatise, Areopagitica, <laughs> we, we don't like Catholics. That's what he said. <laughs> The unsurpassed and unsurpassable, most boring piece of prose. No, it's not. It's not the one. <laughs> it actually is. No, I'm sure it's not. It's not even the most boring piece of prose that I've read this week. But, uh, yeah. you know, speaking of Catholics, we play so much video games that when we go to church, we cross ourselves up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, and then say, be a start. Amen. Yeah. That's right. Zing. Uh, I wrote that. I wrote that joke for the funeral of Pac-Man play. <laughs> yeah, you did. Play that Linky wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I remember it. That's that's uh, yeah, yeah. one of the greatest greatest parts of that. Uh, remember, yep. remember when that code first came out, and the only way to learn it was by word of mouth. And maybe this was just a, a local issue to Maryland, but pe- there were all these extraneous bits of action inserted in there. Like I heard it as. Uh, ending B A B A select select start when I first learned it, mm. of which of which three of those keystrokes are are completely superfluous. But uh, but yeah, because we had no more reliable transmission medium at the time. This was before popular commercial internet. But it's, uh, but um, you know what? what? Go it's ahead. Am- it's amazing that all those variation worked. I heard up up down left right left right A B A B start. Uh, late, later on, I'd, I'd heard that that people had learned it that way. Yeah, it's it's amazing. They they all worked, you know. So it was a very fault tolerant code. Mm-hmm. And it's also amazing how quickly word gets around, even even in the age before the internet. I feel like people have are going to forget that are going to forget that like even when we were seven uh, or eight, um, we were hearing things that were being you know distributed across word of mouth like nationwide. Um, less so worldwide than now, but but nationwide, you know, over the course of weeks or months, something would get from one eight-year-old in one part of the country to another eight-year-old in another part of the country by mechanisms that were unseen and unseeable. Because if you stood by and tried to watch them, the police would tell you to go away. Um, but yeah, it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's 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 morphic resonance. It's like how you know swallows can learn how to pick a pick open a nut at opposite ends of the country. And they learn it simultaneously without there being any way for them to communicate it with each other. It's it's morphic resonance. It's the miracle of evolution. Mm. Let's uh, let's close with it. Or uh, it's also your subscription to Nintendo Power, though. I guess the the canonical <laughs> was, was actually in Nintendo Power. Uh, actually, it, 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 it was. I have a, I have a couple issues that quotes it. Oh really? Oh well, there there you go. I uh, I of course had a subscription, as did I think most of the writers. I'm overthinking it. Um, let's close with this. Do. You, do you have uh, like thoughts or hopes or yeah, let's build a hope chest. Let's build an overthinking it hope chest scrapbook. 
Uh, you oh. know, <laughs> sleepover, pillow fight. Let's, let's make it out of cedar. It smells really nice. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's paint one another's nails of the future. You know what I always say in these situations? Let's get ice cream and just dish, girls. Let's just, <laughs> um, let's just dish. If, uh, if you could kind of set a goal, if you could set the agenda for the next two years of the Overthinking It podcast, um, what would you put us, uh, I mean, what would you set as our goal uh, that we should accomplish in the, uh, the next two years? Anyone want to jump in and take that? I know I'm putting everyone on the spot. Well, I, mean, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even begin to pick. Oh, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, mine's really quick. Uh, I, I, I want us to do another like staged radio drama type of thing, which was, I think, from episode three, How to Survive a Terminator Attack, was the only time we've ever done it on the podcast. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Well, that being a, you know, Terminator-related was a big plus for me, of course. But I think those things are fun. And um, it's, a, it's a very obvious thing to do in the medium that we have, uh, you know, that being audio transmission. And I think we should do more of it. That's my hope and dream. Terminator. I'd like to. I'll say that one thing I'd like to see, and this is not like a high-level goal. Like this is not going to like subsume all other efforts. But I'd like to see like overthinking a podcast recorded like on location in different places. Like oh, like I'm at blah 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 con, or like I'm on top of the Statue of Liberty, and the security guards are coming for me, or like I'm like you know. <laughs> or any number of other places. I just I want to see the overthinking it podcast. Uh, acknowledge that the world that it exists in a little bit more and i don't mean the world of culture i i I think that like i always say that for me the sort of corollary for overthinking it is that i don't want to apologize for what i love as much as the other the other sort of principle is like subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve it's also about like uh coming to terms with and sort of standing up for the way that you experience art in your life and culture in your life uh and not the way that other people tell you that you ought to and i'd like to see that a little bit more i'd like to see us do more to show how what we're doing interacts with people and i hesitate to say real people because then we get into the same sort of semiotic arguments that that start this conversation um but uh, but you know i like i'd like to see more of 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 being kind of like on the ground like with people and and describing not just us but like the way other people think about it uh, and coming up with some sort of way of like transposing that and coming out coming i basically want someone to let me out of my dank basement uh no i'm not in the dank basement anymore. i mean it metaphorically i'm in a beautiful second floor apartment but uh but yeah, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Just sort of like show the life of it a little bit more. Make it more vivid. Make it more in, in the real world. John, you want to okay. jump in? Uh, yes. Within the next two years, I really think we ought to get a, a senior chair on the Senate committee, uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee, because that's <laughs> the only way we can justify re-election. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I say uh, we should. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I, no, no, I, I no, 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 make your joke for sure. Okay, I also think that we should all make a pact that from two years from now we should all lose our virginity. <laughs> I think that should be, that should be a pact that we make before graduation. That uh, <laughs> on the big night of prom, we should. Yeah, that's that's too uh, that's too testosterone laden. I think we should just have a pair of pants that we send around to one another. Oh my yeah. god, we should uh, have the old traveling pants. They'd be awesome. They look hilarious on on uh, on Mark because Parrish would have to be able to fit in them too. And Mark is so much shorter than Parrish is. My, See, I'm playing uh, my character. Mark, I'm ragging on you. I'm giving you a hard time. Thanks, Pete. I'm gonna have it any other so way. These, <laughs> so these are going so to have to be. Oh, John! John goes Skypey. 
Uh, we must I, I, by the way, I'm the sassy Latina of the podcast. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, my my uh, my wish for the next two years of of uh, the Overthinking and podcast is excellent sound quality, uh, despite <laughs> the best efforts of the Skype uh, Corporation. So, um, that BIOS is- for everyone. <laughs> Verizon, please come here. Fios, absolutely. I would pay another twenty. I I already pay sixty bucks a month for my internet, and I'd pay another twenty five if I could just get it reliable. All right, that is two years of the overthinking it podcast. If you have something to say, if you have an agenda setting comment for us, if you have anything you want to do, uh, you know what to do. Email us at podcast at overthinkingit.com or call two zero three two eight five six four zero one. You can also text us at that number if you want to two zero three two eight five six four zero one. We didn't get through all our listener feedback. That's still on the agenda for some future date. Uh, we uh, next week starts the third year of the overthinking it podcast. We promise not to spend it navel-gazing like we did today. Maybe we'll do listener feedback. Maybe we'll get to any item on the outline that we had prepared for today and we just checked out the window <laughs> once we realized that we were 50 minutes into the podcast and hadn't, uh, hadn't gotten past the navel-gazing stage. Um, and uh, if you miss us, you know where to find us during the week. It's www.overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny... It probably If I leave here tomorrow Would you still remember me? The the timing on that was amazing, guys, considering that you are, you know, <laughs> trying to coordinate it over the internet. <laughs> that, that was a little short. Keep going. <laughs> I've actually seen Skinner in concert. Wow. I didn't know you were a racist. <laughs> <laughs> That 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 wouldn't uh, that would be funnier if there weren't a lot of racists at the concert. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the band. I'm talking about their concerts. No, no, no yeah, yeah, they uh, a lot of Confederate flags in that audience. <laughs>